thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning. Today's guest is Caroline Hokey, and after 30 years of drinking, Caroline decided she had had enough of the hangovers and waking up in the middle of the night. She didn't want to give up drinking altogether. She simply just wanted to give up the shitty parts of it. The work was so challenging and so life-changing that she decided to leave her 20-plus year marketing career and dedicate the rest of her life to helping women. Today, she's a certified life coach through the Life Coach School, and she is on a mission to empower women to regain their control over alcohol and create a life that they love. Caroline joined us for part one of our conversation last week, and we're going to pick up where we left off, and she's figured out how to regain control over her relationship with alcohol. We know that we live in a drinking society, and Caroline has had a personal experience, and she has developed some ways to address the relationship with alcohol, especially for women. So Caroline, I'm, I'm really happy that we have this opportunity to talk yeah. a little bit more about it. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to have this conversation. I think it's such an important one to have because we as a society, I think everybody understands and is very familiar with the abstinence only models of AA and rehab, but there's also a space in the world (laughs) where we can get help because you don't have to have a drinking problem to have a problem with how drinking is manifesting in your life. It may sound like a play on words, but I think it really means a lot. Like a, a drinking problem means that I should abstain, that I should go to AA or rehab or something like that. But there are lots of people that fall in that gray area of, well, I'm not really loving how I'm feeling all the time, but I think that's kind of part of the package. And that's just something I have to deal with. And I'm living proof. And there are lots of other people that are living proof that isn't something that you have to deal with and that there are resources available to you. So that is one of my primary missions is to increase awareness that there are options available. That's not something that you have to suffer in silence about anymore. That's a good introduction to what this conversation is going to be about, because as we begin to socialize and socialize with friends that we haven't seen for a while, we know that there are some tendencies of our friends, if not ourselves, to over do it with the alcohol consumption and mm-hmm. think that we're really having fun with it. But So the question that I have for you is, how do you know mm-hmm. where you are in that mm-hmm. space? Of, yeah. This is the gray area or this is the area that I truly do need to get help and, and certainly abstain completely mm-hmm. from alcohol. How do you make that determination? Most people will start with things like the rules where they'll say, I'm only going to drink on the weekends. The thing with the rules rules is that typically they're just willpower based. And so in our willpower is finite. So that never really works long-term. Now, I think your question is a little bit deeper in that. How can you tell if you need coaching or if you need rehab? And that's really a fine line. So I would say, try some of the things like read some of the books, listen to some of the podcasts, maybe talk to a coach, maybe do one of the courses. If that doesn't work, then maybe it is time to think about a full abstinence model. You know, there are a lot of people that are like, 
I don't want to deal with it. I would rather just go ahead and like get rid of it. And that's totally fine too. So it's definitely, I mean, your mileage may vary. So it's going to be different for everybody. You know, it's interesting not to laugh about it, but I've been to social events where there's one person in particular that at every social event, they overindulge. And it's so obvious to everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, they're functional. They have a full-time job. They do well. They're successful. However, they do have the tendency to to go way overboard. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that they even have given it a thought to reduce their consumption. I would say if family members are getting involved, then that sounds like that's more of a bigger problem. That's just my guess. Because typically the people that I work with are fully aware. They're on to themselves. They're like, I want to get on top of this before this becomes a bigger problem. Or just because for me, I felt like I was driving with the emergency brake on. I didn't like that feeling. I felt like things could be better. I want to feel better. And that was my clear motivation. And so the people that fall into that camp of, I know that my life could be better. That sounds like that's probably more of a coaching situation. Someone who is that self-aware and does want to improve their life uh, appears to be a natural client for you Mm -hmm. based Mm -hmm. on the type of experience you had and the others who are overindulging and they're getting sloppy drunk and impacting others with their behavior and just their energy, they may be in a totally different camp. Yeah, they maybe they are aware and just haven't gotten the right help yet. Technically, if we look at kind of the guidelines for women, if you have more than three drinks in one sitting or more than seven in a week, that's considered heavy drinking. For men, it is four in one sitting, more than 14 in a week. So maybe this person you're talking about plans it all for one night. I don't know. But again, just a starting point, right? I mean, everybody's different. So lots of different situations in there. So when you're working with someone who has sought you out, let's just say, or Mm -hmm. has been referred to you, Mm -hmm. generally how long does it take for you to work with them on their issues and and get the results that they're after? Is it a one and done? Is it a one conversation? Is it follow-up conversations? Does the client determine that? It can, uh, everything in between. Every single thing that you just mentioned. I had a consult with a woman a couple of weeks ago and just in that 45 minute session, we were able to make those perspective shifts that she needed in order to make the changes that she wanted. So perfect. That's one example. That's not, that's not going to happen for everybody. I can't guarantee that. Right. (laughs) But what I typically do is I work with people for a 12 week period. And you know what? There are some people that get to six weeks and they're like, okay, that's great. And then we start working on creating this life that they love, which is really fun work. Absolutely. There are some people that hit the 12 weeks and they're like, you know what? I don't know that I did all the work. I want to redo it. So every single thing, (laughs) every version. I like that, that you can cross over into different areas if they are willing Mm -hmm. to go there with you. So they have the drinking part under control, let's just say, Mm -hmm. they're following the guidelines and they're feeling better about themselves. And then there may be some other areas that they would like to address as well. And you're able to go into those areas with them. Yeah, absolutely. What I teach basically, with when I work with my clients, we talk about drinking maybe 20% of the time. The majority of the time we are talking about the underlying stressors that are causing them to need a drink, quote unquote. So the majority of the time we're talking about this other stuff, jobs or partners or kids or life and all the things that build up because stress is a reality. And there is a prevailing belief that alcohol helps reduce stress. Now, scientifically, that is not proven. We, We do get 20 minutes of a relief, but after that, it actually increases stress in the body, but it comes from how we are reacting 
reacting to the events in our lives. So if we have better tools on how to manage our mind and how to be thinking about things, that can help just naturally reduce our stress. And so then the need, quote unquote, for the drink is less and less. Let's address it at the root cause rather than having somebody stand over your head saying, no, don't drink that. Don't do that. I, I really prefer to work at the level, like the, the underlying root cause level so that it really solves itself. And those tools there are applicable across the board. Those are life skills, hence the life coach thing. <laughs> they start to make a little bit more sense to me now. Yeah. So when you're working with women who are perhaps there in the corporate environment and some of the stress is coming from the work they do, the people they interact with, the responsibilities that they have, what are some of the things that you do to help them to reimagine that whole scenario so that mm-hmm. they are not as stressed yeah. as they yeah. appear to be? A lot of it is really just regrounding on what are the facts? How is your brain interpreting it? Like just because your boss sent an email doesn't make everybody in the world go into DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 5, whatever the worst one is. Um, but the email doesn't cause that. It's all the rumination of, oh my God, I did something wrong, or I'm going to have to stay late or fill in the blanks, whatever that is. That's all the unnecessary stuff that we add. I'm not saying that will go away, but with practice, you can recognize that as, oh yeah, that's how I used to think, or that's not necessarily true. I don't need to get worked up about that. And that takes practice for sure, but really, really, really helpful (laughs) in managing stress in life. I can imagine because (laughs) I remember when I was in that environment and there would be an email from a certain person and you know, it would kind of trigger right. a certain right. energy and then you learn how to manage it mm-hmm. and then it doesn't trigger you anymore. So as it relates to that job, that's one thing. Now, when it relates to, to let's say, relationships, mm-hmm. have you had mm-hmm. to work in, in that area with some of your clients? Every single one of my clients has <laughs> discussions about relationships. No question. <laughs> Yeah. As a life coach, mm-hmm. you've been trained to work with people at all different facets yes. and parts of their life. Okay. Mm-hmm. When it involves relationships, how deep and how far do you go with your clients? Well, give me a for example. For example, say uh, your client is in a, a difficult relationship with a child, mm-hmm. an adult child that perhaps is behaving in a certain way that's impacting the family, okay. but yet and still your client hasn't found a way to address it okay. in, in a okay. constructive way. And it continues to trigger them or worry them yep. to the okay. point that it moves them in another direction. Okay. All of my work centers on what can we control? So in that situation, I just had a client who was working through this. This comes up actually quite a bit. As you can imagine, it feels very powerless when we're trying to get somebody else to do something that we want them to do. Even when it's coming from love, even when it's the best thing to do. One of the most effective questions that I found is, do you know that that's the right thing to do? Is there no question in the world that that's the right thing to do? And oftentimes, even when it's things like drug use or XYZ, all this stuff, right? My kid is smoking pot or dropped out of college, whatever it is. Yeah. As a mom, I could look at that and say, this is terrible. He's ruining his life. And the one thing that kind of stops everybody in their tracks is, 
is myself included. Nobody's immune to this is how do I know? I know today that those are not the choices that I would make for myself, but I don't know with absolute certainty that he is going to be living down in the man by the river. If he continues on this trajectory, right? In just that little bit of a pause, I think that helps everybody kind of go, okay. And then you kind of open the door a little bit to, well, if I really think about it, I wasn't perfect either. I definitely didn't do what my parents wanted me to do. And that immediately changes the reaction that changes the emotion from powerless to there's a little bit of hope. You can at least go back to accessing love, which is always, always, always the right thing to do in any sort of relationship. In common lore that we understand that we kind of do that with spouses, we have that for everybody. But it's just interesting to know that that we have these little rules in our head that are not articulated. We just assume that that's how everybody operates. When it comes to other types of relationships that are more intimate, Mm -hmm. that you have issues with, or there are some issues that cause you to seek out comfort in another way, like with alcohol. Mm -hmm. When you're working with those kind of clients, where do you start and where does it go? Yeah. I mean, and it could be everything from a lot of the typical ones that I see are, I am worried about drinking less because that is how my partner and I connect. Like we drink, we have our happy hour in the afternoon or whatever. Yeah, that's what we do. Or yeah, that's part of what we do. Or I want to do this, but my partner's not supporting me. Mm. Right. And so it kind of runs the gamut. And really it comes back to, and I'll say this, I think I probably just said this, but like it comes back to really being solid with her own decisions, like having her own back on what she wants to do and knowing that you can still have happy hour with your partner. I mean, who cares what's in the glass? Really put something else in the glass or have have fewer drinks or whatever it is, because the true connection has nothing to do with what's in the glass. It's being together. It's spending that time together. And I will argue that you can actually connect better when you are not drunk. We feel like we lose our inhibitions and can chat maybe, but half the time people are repeating themselves and they don't remember anything in the next morning. Like, is that connection really? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. And then in the other situation where the partner's not supporting them, typically that is a reflection of the client herself not being solid in her own decisions. And so seeing that in the partner, that's normally what's going on. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. It's just a reflection. She's using the the partner as a mirror for what she's internally feeling. Like she's got second thoughts or she's shaky about moving forward with learning how to drink less. And her brain is seeking evidence for how this is a bad idea. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So it's played out by what she's picking up as a response from her partner, response to her refraining from alcohol, but it might be just really a projection of her. It's totally, it's, yeah, it's typically a projection. Yeah. 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 Now, if it's not a projection, if perhaps the partner has an issue with alcohol, and want someone to be in it with them, that's, I yeah. imagine that's completely different. Yeah, that may be. But if she doesn't have any issues with herself, like if she's solid with her decision, wants to move forward, all that stuff. And and having doubts along the way in any sort of, achieving any sort of goal is totally normal. That is part of the process. Absolutely, 100%. But we learn how to doubt the doubt before we doubt the goal. But the thing is, if she's totally solid, it doesn't matter what the partner's saying. She just kind of brushes it off 
So for example, it's happened to all of us. Somebody's got an opinion that you don't agree with and you're like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't even hit. So that's how it plays out. And so we kind of learn that, how she's interpreting the partner, what the partner's saying or what the partner's doing. Maybe he doesn't even care. And she's just like interpreting his lack of engagement as, oh, he's not supporting me. Like, well, is that true? I don't know. So let me ask you this question. I know that you applied a lot of these techniques to yourself in your life. Mm -hmm. Where are you now with, with the whole alcohol connection? Yeah. So I started this work back in 2016. My last hangover was in August of 2016. I started with, I read some book, I listened to some podcasts and none of that stuff was really working for me. Again, I'll describe that my situation was that high performer at work, happily married, two kids, all that stuff. But I felt like things could be better. I felt like I was driving with the emergency brake on or trying to operate with one arm behind my back. I just, I felt like I was hindered and I knew like it kept pointing to alcohol. So when I started my work, I, I did the books, I did the podcasts. I started doing some things on my own. The willpower thing does not work. So if you're trying that and it's not working, there's nothing wrong with you. That is totally normal. And then I found a coach and this is the coach that I certified with. And, and her program was all about stop over drinking. It's like, yes. That's exactly what I want. I don't want to quit drinking. I just want to stop the overing part. And that's what really appealed to me. So that worked that with her. And I successfully moderated for about three and a half years. And then when COVID hit, I decided that I would kind of rebel against everybody else who was drinking more. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do a hundred days without it, see what happens. And I'm still kind of on that path. Like I, I haven't quit drinking. I just haven't felt like it. So Very that's cool. kind of my story. Yeah. <laughs> I know you yeah. feel good about it. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I do. When you're meeting new clients and, and you're getting to know them, how do you position yourself as a life coach? And what are some of the advantages of using a life coach in these kind of situations or any situation? Yeah. The advantage to working with a coach is that a coach is not in your brain. So a coach doesn't believe your stories. <laughs> and listen, I'm a coach. I do this for a living and I have coaches and, and I'm constantly surprised like, Ooh, I thought that was the truth. <laughs> So there's a huge advantage to that. We have blind spots. We use rearview mirrors and side mirrors for a reason. It's just like, that's what a coach can do for you. And I would just say, if you're thinking about getting a coach, the things that I ask myself are, what do I hope to get out of this? If everything works out great, what are my biggest hopes for this? What are my biggest fears? Because it is an investment in time and money and all that stuff, right? What do I think that working with a coach can do for me? A lot of times people will say, they recognize that what they need is some different tools or some strategies. A lot of times people will not articulate that they want help in thinking differently, but honestly, that's really what I help them do. And I will say coming in, I don't know what's right. I don't. I know the steps that I took that worked for me in learning how to drink less, to stop over drinking. And I know that those tools work for sure, but I don't know what's exactly right for my client in front of me. Meaning, should she stop drinking entirely? Should she just cut back? But she knows her inner wisdom knows she just hasn't been able to hear it for a long time. And I help her hear it really. So we talk a lot about women. Are you, do you have any male clients? I do. I do have some male clients. Yes. Mm -hmm. And is it different working with them versus working with women? Um, no, it's, it's not that different really. <laughs> But I do have some men that have come to me yeah, mm -hmm. with, I work with smart, successful women who sometimes drink more than they want. And they figured out all these really difficult things 
And they just think that the drinking too much is part of the deal and just something that they have to accept because they have no awareness that there are options. So I think that it's really important to me to make sure that people that fall within that area understand that there is help available. Because what I hate to see is that they're there beating themselves up because they keep doing it. Like, if I'm so smart, why can't I, haven't I figured this out? And the only reason you haven't figured it out is because you don't have the right tools yet. What I do with my clients, I help them identify and uncover what their limiting beliefs are. If it's something like typical one that I see a lot is drinking is fun. A lot of people would agree with that. But if we kind of expand the the lens and look at it, (laughs) look at it that later that night at three o'clock in the morning or the next day when you're feeling terrible, is it really that fun? Let's start to question that. Things like drinking helps me relax or drinking helps me sleep. Those things, as long as we hold on to those so tightly... It doesn't matter how many actions or worksheets or whatever I give you. We really need to address those limiting beliefs. Otherwise, the behavior will just automatically come back to where it has been. When you address those limiting beliefs, what are you doing in that process? Is it just asking the question, waiting for the response, and then peeling back the layers on the response and asking, yeah. is that true? Is that true? How do you know that's true? Or, or just like, what would somebody else think about it? Because it's only true if all 7.8 or 9 billion people in the planet will agree. There are very few things that everybody agrees on. What we know for sure is how is it manifesting in your life, right? So if that's not good, <laughs> let's work on that, right? <laughs> because for some people, if that works great, that works great. Let's not worry about it. If you're not liking the results you're getting, it all comes back to our thoughts, how we're thinking about it, or our limiting beliefs, whatever it is in there. And so let's address it at that level. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, when I did some research on the work that you're doing, I found it quite fascinating, primarily because we hear a lot about AA mm-hmm. and the, the philosophy around AA. And then just to know that there is another way to approach the relationship with alcohol and allow it to provide you with a, an outlet if that's what you choose. However, it doesn't have to be an excessive out. Right, right. No, that's, right. That's, that's good to know because mm-hmm. there is some mystery around the alcohol piece. What's a better alcohol in the health and fitness space? It's like, well, you don't really want to drink mixed drinks because of the level of carbohydrates and sugar that are in there. You're better off having a straight alcohol like tequila or whiskey. Oh, well, if you don't like that, there's wine, but not so much wine. It just at the end of the day, it's like, what can I drink? So just knowing that, of course, there needs to be some limitations. There should be some limitations because there's going to be an impact. In fact, I had a conversation with, with a guest on my podcast show, and she said that at a certain age, you really do need to pay attention to the amount of alcohol you're drinking because it kills brain cells. And the older you get, the least amount of brain cells you're going to want to lose. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good point. I will also say that like, as we age, the hangovers will get worse because we have less total body water as we age and then dehydration is worse. So that makes the hangovers worse. It's quite the cycle. It's quite the cycle. Mm -hmm. The whole life management piece in a nutshell, though, from the health and fitness space, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. paying attention to all of it is really the foundation of living a, a life that's worth living. Because yeah. as we do mature and get older, and we want to have an, an expansive lifespan, if you will, <laughs> you want to be able to do some things and be healthy and have a lot of just a lot of energy to yeah. live life and do the things that you want to do. And I, I'd imagine it would be kind of hard to do that if you're hungover, drinking too much, don't have the energy. 
energy. Right. Hydration can't do things that you want to do. And and it's interesting when you bring up the beauty part, because so many people spend all this time and energy on working out and eating the right things and then have wine or maybe they overdo wine at the end of the day or whatever, whatever their drink of choice is. And if we think about kind of the negative effects of what alcohol does physically, I mean, and I, I don't know that there's a lot of, of agreement on exactly what's going on there, but from a dehydration standpoint, what it's doing to your skin, what is it doing to just how you're showing up in your life is so important. I know a woman who she actually calculated the amount of time that she was either thinking about drinking or drinking or getting over being drunk. And she said it added up to about 40 hours a week. It's like, that's a full-time job. (laughs) And she said it was this gift of time when she got that back. And it was amazing. And thinking about creating this life that she could love, that was so exciting, which again, I love that part. It's really exciting to get to that part with my clients because a lot of times people will say they spend all this time working on reducing their drinking. And then they'll get to a point where they're like, oh, oh shit, now I know I was drinking so much because I don't really like what's going on around here. (laughs) Okay, well, let's fix that (laughs) rather than going back to drinking. That's dead on it though. Mm -hmm. That's dead on. It's like, why am I Mm -hmm. drinking as Mm -hmm. much as I'm drinking? And we we did kind of dance around it in a way. Relationships, children, partners, spouses, the job. But bottom line is that there's a trigger of sorts. There's some place in your life where things aren't measuring up. Perhaps, I'm not saying if you are drinking alcohol, then there's something broken in your life. I'm not saying that. Agreed. However, the excessive use of alcohol. But I do feel like, like in a nutshell, your relationship with drinking is typically a a reflection of your relationship with yourself. So those that are not feeling good about themselves, and that's some of the work that I do with my clients too, is just helping them really tap into how to create the relationship with themselves that has been just dormant for so long. Yeah. that's really that's, powerful. I, I think that's where the power source is right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once they get that straightened out, they'll have a better sense of their power, right. how to show up, mm-hmm, be authentic mm-hmm. and live with yeah. integrity. But there All probably is something there. To your point, probably begins and ends with you. Always, always. Yeah. And, which is actually good news because if we have to fix everybody else in the world, then we're screwed, right? <laughs> that, <laughs> But we can actually fix ourselves. That is work that is appropriate. That is, that is attainable. Absolutely. So the point that you made earlier, that's really where you have the control. Yeah, that's the only control you've got anybody has. Makes a lot of sense. It really makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Well, I am certainly glad that we had this opportunity to dig a little bit deeper in this area of learning how to manage your relationship with alcohol. And if it's in the scope of what you want for your life to drink less. Yeah, I am too. I really appreciate the opportunity to come back and I will extend the offer again that for any of your listeners for a free coaching session, if they're interested in that. So please take me up on it. I love this work and I love talking to people and helping them out. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for giving us a bit of your day today. I appreciate the work that you're doing. I really do. Thank you. I appreciate yours. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.